boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. You probably realize that you're listening to Binge Boys. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick. And across from me on Zoom, Lon Harris. Lon! I'm below you on Zoom or above you on Zoom. I'm not across from it's not how Zoom works. It's, we're not in a 3D virtual environment. What do you mean? You're, I mean, when you look zo- at Zoom and you're talking to someone, you're not across from them. The laptop is, a, is across You are from up me. there, and I am down here in the little window. If you were sitting at the same vantage point at a table. But you wouldn't see yourself projected right next to me on a screen. No, I'm, I'm tiny above your head. Should I switch to gallery view? I use gallery view. Oh, see, I was on speaker view because I just want to see you. You're just looking at me the whole time? Yes, I am just lost in your eyes, That's Lon. gross. Don't do that. Okay, not lost in your eyes and... And lost in your beard. I am running through that beard like a like a field of tall grass. I don't like this. I, I will say for all of you listening out there, you don't need to be in your cars. People aren't most people aren't commuting right now. So if you're not in your car, if you're just at home, I think you should put photos of Hal and I up while you listen to Binge Boys and watch us. I think that would recreate our experience of recording it for you. I think you're making it weirder than I made it. Is that weird that you should gaze? Yeah, you want them to put up some sort of weird little... Look, if you listen to the Joe Rogan experience on your phone, whose face is staring back at you the entire time on their logo? No, Joe Rogan. And he's the number one podcaster in the world. He's the most successful guy to ever do it. Do you think we have a large crossover with the Joe Rogan audience? I, I would hope so. That's why I keep trying to get hyperbaric chamber companies to come on as sponsors, because that we got that Rogan audience. Lon, is, is that why you started doing MMA training? That's why I have taken up uh, the Octagon. That's why, yeah, exactly. Is that why you keep pushing to get Alex Jones as a guest on our show? I'm going to go do an hour of stand-up this weekend that is just going to be racial slurs. That's my commitment to the Joe Rogan audience. Oh, or is that, that's the Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony's Hinchcliffe's going to come out, <laughs> and then Shane Gillis, and then who's oh, that guy boy. with the hat, and then me. Which guy with the hat? I don't know. Tim something. There's one of those guys. Tim Dillon? Is that his name? That is his name. I did not know who this guy even was. He's just some comedian. And he said something fucking dumb and, like, racist and dumb. And I just, I'm still not knowing who he was, I was just like, look, get a load of this dumb guy. And I like a lot of his fans about to be like, he's a thousand times funnier than you. And it's like, well, he is wearing a hat. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's great. Like, listen, I've never heard Tim Dillon do comedy. Oh, so you rattled the Tim Dillon cage. You shook the Tim Dillon tree and all the Tim Dillon nuts fell on your head. All I know is he had said one thing that set me off one time and Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys that's buddies with Joe Rogan and it does seem like whenever a comedian is like, well, this guy was just on stage for an hour saying horrible things about the Jews. Like every time there's a story like that and then you look up the guy's name, always he's a regular on the Joe Rogan experience. Yep. Am I going to get you blacklisted from comedy? Should we stop talking about this, Al? No, no. I mean... All those guys moved to Austin. This doesn't affect Yeah, no. I mean, this is like, they're absolutely different factions here. And listen, I I would have thought we were courting a different audience because we're both vaccinated. 
<laughs> right, and, yes. <laughs> and believe and believe in science. I do enjoy a little MMA now and again. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but uh, I didn't cast any aspersions on mixed martial arts as a practice. That's fine. Listen, self defense and it discipline and like yeah. Oh, I know. I'm just like really thinly slicing the different pieces here. Right. Of Roganania. Of Roganism. Yeah. Uh, listen, I enjoyed news radio. Fear Factor was fun. Uh, MMA, when it gets into politics and vaxxing, uh, yeah, no thank you. Was not a fan of the man show in any iteration, but wow, when Rogan and Stanhope took over, real nosedive. Mm, mm-hmm. can't, I can't stand behind that. And I say that as a fan of Doug Stanhope. I was actually like, oh, Doug Stanhope and Joe Rogan, those are good guys to take over the man show. Maybe I'll try watching. Oh, I should not have done this. You know what? I don't think I watched any of that incarnation. I watched a little bit of the uh, Kimmel Corolla yeah, back not, in the day. Yeah, it's not, not aged super well. I think, oh the no! Man uh, show. Super uh, misogynist. And, not not uh, one of yeah. those artifacts that you could go back to and uh, a relic of another time. Did you see? Um, this is not one of our news stories this week, but I do think it's funny. Doug Ellen, the guy who created HBO, had some interview last week where he was like, "HBO's burying Entourage." He's the guy who created Entourage for HBO. Gotcha. And he he did this interview where he was like, "HBO's buried. They're ashamed of it now because it's supposed it's like the Swinging Dick Boys Club, but that's not what the show was." And it's like. Is HBO hiding Entourage now? Like, maybe they should, but I don't know if they are. It's like an old show at this point. Yeah, like, I don't see The Wire popping up in my feed a ton, and The Wire is one of the, like, the greatest show of all time. They're not like, hey, remember Dream On? Like, time moves on, guys. Yeah, shit. I mean, Ballers isn't, is done, right? And I'm not seeing Ballers popping up, but Ballers got a, a huge push while it was on, and Ballers was as testosterone-driven as fucking Entourage, more or less. Yeah, I, it was a really weird, it was like, I don't feel like HBO's gone out of their way to, like, we disavow Entourage. Like, there's a new show with Mark Wahlberg. I think there has been a little bit of a backlash towards Entourage. Like, a pop culture one, but deservedly yeah. so. It's a dated show and it was kind of goofy yes. in its own era. It was also prescient when it comes to Aquaman. For sure. Well, I, like, Entourage was kind of a joke already when it was on TV. Yeah. You know, like, I, I feel like, I don't think people's opinions have changed about it that dramatically. Yeah, it was caricature of itself already. It was already this goofy parody of life and everyone was, yeah, there it is, there it is. So shut up, Doug Ellen. All right, let's get into the news. Shut up, Doug Ellen. Uh, shut up, Doug Ellen. Now let's talk Ellen leaving the airwaves. That's not a streaming story. Nobody streams Ellen. I mean, what? Can you get it on CBS All Access? I'm sure you can. I don't know. I'm sure you can. That, that's not even a thing anymore. That's Paramount Plus now, baby. I'm sure there is a way to watch Ellen online. I just struggle with the concept that anyone has ever done that. I feel like Ellen is exactly that. You hit the power button and your TV comes on and up, oh, Ellen's on. All right. I'm Listen, gonna... when I'm on the road, I got my Ellen online because you know I gots to have my Ellen. <laughs> this is Hal's <laughs> new character, the man who travels a lot but loves Ellen. <laughs> as long as we're talking about it, we're going to talk about it. Um, her phony, like, I'm not. I'm not quitting because everybody stopped watching my show because they found out I was a monster. It's just time. It's like, take it ran as that depressed. There was a headline that was like, Ellen, quote, 
always knew I would be gone after 19 years. Like, really? You always knew. 19 years specifically. That's amazing. 19, that was the that was the benchmark I wanted. Yeah. In 1993, she was like, one day I'd love to have my own talk show, but only for <sighs> 19 years. Then I'm out. That you overstay your welcome after 19. 20 would yeah. be too far. 19 is the proverbial sweet spot. <laughs> so funny. That, that's the ultimate, like, what was that? Catherine Tate, who her bit was like, I'm not bothered. Am I bothered? Am I bothered? Like, that's that's the ultimate. Like, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad. No, I wanted to quit. I wanted to leave. 19 is perfect. <laughs> Dakota Johnson didn't do this to me. This is my choice. Oh, yeah. She was mean to Dakota Johnson. BuzzFeed uh, did a funny post that was like, the entire anti-Ellen movement mm -hmm. was birthed with that. Like, that was the first crack. Uh -huh. And then everything else came after Dakota Johnson had, like, punctured the halo around Ellen. Gotcha. An interesting thesis. And, and then, uh, yeah, the House of Cards came tumbling. Today is the day where it's just like, our show is just like, shit on all the celebrities. Like, anybody who could potentially, like, help our career, we're just gonna... Tell them off today. Yup, Ellen, Adrian Grenier. Tim Dillon. Grenier, just like, Grenier. Yeah, we're coming for you guys. Yeah. Anyway, everybody in LA had known that Ellen was a monster forever because a lot of people have worked on that show by now. A 20-year TV show and a person who's that famous and established, they're just cycling through hundreds of people in LA who've passed through those hallways over the years. So word gets out. Oh, and on top of that, I was friends with uh, the woman, Chris Farah, who came out with this personal story about Ellen eating at a restaurant she worked at. And Ellen wrote an email about Chris Farah's nail polish being chipped to Jeez. the person who owns the restaurant. Saying, Day class A. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's insane. What? She was like a lunatic. Like, sorry <laughs> uh, that um, I wasn't properly manicured before uh, putting your sandwich on the table. Everybody in the entertainment industry is a monster on some level. So for work sure. to get out that dramatically. Even you and I, even you and I oh. who are on the periphery. <laughs> but you should hear how I talk to Hal before the show begins. It's monstrous. But oh, um, browbeating me. But so to stand out, to be like, wow, that person is particularly a monster. Like to get yes. to a Scott Rudin, Ellen DeGeneres level, you've got to be like, we're talking sociopathic. Like you've got to be a real crazy person. And it's mm -hmm. interesting that Dakota Johnson was the thing that for most Americans was like, oh, Ellen is bad. And then it's just like, then the floodgates open. But meanwhile, we found out about Dakota Johnson in Limegate. What? Oh, there's, <laughs> this is so dumb. Uh, there was a, a photo shoot of Ellen, Dakota Johnson's home in Architectural Digest. Oh, right, yes, she has that huge thing of limes. I do remember. Yeah, her kitchen was lime green, and they're like, oh, let's put some limes in the lime green kitchen. And during a video they made for Architectural Digest online or whatever, she was like, I love limes. And then she went on, like, Fallon or something, and she was like, oh, actually, I hate Lyme. Yeah, it was just for a photo shoot. Can't trust anybody in this business. That's what we really learned. Yes. All right, let's go to the real news. I prepared actual news, which does not involve Ellen in any way. Did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did Lon with the news. Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. We're finally filling out the cast of Ryan Johnson's Netflix sequel to Knives Out. So far, just called Knives Out 2, although I'm of the opinion that it's going to have a different, probably similarly formatted name, like... Forks Out. Or Swords Drawn. You know, Swords what, Drawn. What, what have you. Something along those lines. 
Um, dicks out for Harambe. Dicks out for Harambe, knives out too. I think that's, <laughs> and he's investigating the death of Harambe. Yes. Billion dollar idea right there. Uh, Dave Batista, Ed Norton, Janelle Monet, and then just as of today, Catherine Hahn. I'm sure Ooh. by the time people are listening to this, there's going to be like 10 more names. Well, like Roger Rabbit's going to be in it. I mean, he's putting together a fun crew here, a fun crew of likable actors. Damon and Affleck, you know, uh-huh. yes. Barb and Star, you know, all, all the big names. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Wow. He's got the Black Messiah in there. J. Edgar Hoover, not happy about that one. Judas was already in the first one. Right, that's true. Yeah. Well, Keith Stanfield, who portrayed the uh, the titular Judas to Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, but I like all those. I mean, Ed Norton, he doesn't do enough stuff. He's all, he's good. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, he's like on loan from the Wes Anderson collection, like just for this. He did Motherless Brooklyn, his own movie. And then mm-hmm. otherwise, he's basically just in like Wes movies, it feels like. Yeah. Oh, uh, also... A cameo at the end the of a leader battle. battle angel. <laughs> <laughs> we had the same thought at the same time with the little with the little glasses. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, that's the reveal. I like that movie. I liked it too, but I I know people are like desperate for it to get a sequel. I kind of don't want it to, only so that's Ed Norton's only role in that universe. <laughs> is just is just man with glasses in one shot. Unfulfilling. That would be rather unfulfilling. You know, we, we talked about this with Mortal Kombat. That's just becoming like a thing now of like these movies that have these bizarre, unsatisfying endings because they thought, like I feel like The Mummy is probably the ultimate example mm-hmm. of like half the movie is setting up shit that will never happen and should never happen. Well, I want to see a sequel to the other, uh, one, one of my Ryan Johnson faves. I bring I bring this up every other podcast, how much I like Looper. You do. You bring up Looper a dispiriting amount for me, honestly. I don't know where else to take our Looper discussion. I want to hear what happens with the Rainmaker and Looper. I'm all about Rainmaker Looper talk. Make Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like Billy Bob Thornton this time. Just because every time you've got to make his face look like a different actor of the previous generation from him. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> By Looper 4, they're like, ah, Michael Caine? I don't know. Make him look like somebody. Sign me up for a subscription to Looper Plus. <laughs> It's just looper takeoffs. Yep. It's just weird kids on farms. Do they have powers? I don't know. Check it out on Looper Plus. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on. I'm sure we'll get a lot more Knives Out reveals. Who would you ultimately, who would be your number one person you want to see join a Knives Out ensemble? You know what? Uh, Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. Okay. Just like as the Dowager Countess. I love her because, like, I like that there there was an old patriarch in this past movie with Christopher Plummer as mm-hmm. the dead guy. Every line she delivered in Downton Abbey was a like a fucking zinger, like straight out of the sniper rifle. She was like, bang, bang, bang. You only give Maggie Smith bangers. That's the rule. You yes. She doesn't ever get sort of set up exposition dialogue. She just comes in with the devastating right hook and then gets the fuck out of the scene. Oh, yeah. And just like, you know, sprinkle a half a dozen of those throughout a movie. That's like, yeah. oh. That's good stuff. You want to really get to that level in your career where they just save, like, just give them four lines, but have, they're all bangers. Like, yep. you want to get there, you know? Like, you yep. don't have to do that. Like, Helen Mirren is totally there now. Mm-hmm. Only old British ladies ever get to be there, but. I would settle for any of the dames. Dench, Mirren, Smith. Yeah, any major dame will do. Yep. Any major name. What about you? Is there yeah. someone uh, you'd a like? A dame will do you. I was saying, we talked about this on Screen Junkies U the other day, and I think a very good addition to the Lakeith role, the like 
local detective who like learns at the feet of Benoit Blanc would be Jesse Plemons. Oh yeah. Wouldn't he be good? He's like the cop following him around like, oh, that's a that's such a good idea, Mr. Blanc. How'd you think? You know, like I just kind of yeah. see him as that kind of a in that kind of a role. And he's so great at playing in kind of the unassuming goof. Exactly. And he apparently is not only in Jungle Cruise, but he's like a villain. And he was describing it as like it's him going really big and being over the top, and I'm very curious to get a look at that. Like, that's hard to picture. I'm looking forward, well, to, for many reasons, uh, seeing him in Killers of the Flower Moon. Alongside an unrecognizable Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, the backlash <laughs> to that headline. <laughs> apt, apt backlash. At this point, though, are we in the era where it's obvious that people are tweeting dumb shit all the time just so everybody will get mad at them and share it. I'm not sure every time this happens, that's what's going on, mm -hmm. but I feel like most of it. Right now, as we're recording this, there's a thing going around Twitter where somebody put together like the best rated barbecue restaurants in the country oh, on TripAdvisor. Yeah. And it's like, so the best barbecue in the country is in Seattle. And like, obviously that's dumb. And everybody is like, oh, I'm from Texas and I, we, oh, oh, I just exploded, you know? <laughs> Like, and it's like, look, listen, Texas, nobody's actually, we know, we no, know. it's a real slap in the face. There was no Memphis, Tennessee. There was no Austin, Texas. We know that those are the barbecue meccas and Newark, New Jersey, or whatever they had on the list was not accurate. They're doing it to fuck with you. Do me a favor, take Jersey out of your mouth. I mean, I'm from, I spent a lot of time growing up in Take New Jersey out of your mouth and put Jersey's barbecue into your mouth. Listen, I would say Jersey, arguably best pizza in America. Pound for pound? No, no, that's Connecticut. That's Connecticut. New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven, Connecticut is a pizza on. mecca. New Haven, Connecticut. Jesus Look it up. Christ. Look it up. What are you, a Yaley? Peppies. There's two. I, I'm classes. aware that they're like, listen, the Yaley's go to the New Haven. No, but you're right. Pizza and bagels and Italian food yeah. in general in Jersey. I mean, it's the home of fucking Tony Soprano. That's right. Nobody's faded. Like, if you want linguine with clams, you want to get that in Jersey. Nobody's arguing with you. But if you want uh, barbecue, you know, we, we that, that's not a Newark specialty. I don't think that's taking anything away from the great state of New Jersey. If you want clams, you go to Jersey. If you want crabs, you go to my cousin Trina's house. Come on, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cousin Trina. How's Goodfellas audition there? Goodfellas. Uh, let's move on. Macbeth. Remember Macbeth? That's a Shakespeare play. Alas, poor Yorick, I knew him well. No, that's Hamlet. That's not, that's Hamlet. Yeah. Come on, I can, you, you could do it. Give me a line from Macbeth. What soft, what no, light through- you're already wrong. Through yonder window breaks. How about, is this a dagger I see before me? The handle towards my hand? How about double, double toil and trouble? Get ye to a nunnery. No, that's also Hamlet. Out, out, damn spot. That's a uh, Lady Macbeth bit. Romeo, right. oh, not, Romeo. Not, honestly, you're not yeah, even trying. You're not uh, even trying, so I'm going to move on. Okay. Uh, so Joel Cohen, one half of Cinema's Cohen Brothers. Yes. He wrote and directed a adaptation of Macbeth starring Denzel Washington in the titular role as the Scottish king mm -hmm. and uh, Francis McDormand as his wife, Lady Macbeth, fresh off her Oscar wins 
for Nomadland. Mm. A24, the indie studio, is going to bring that out in select theaters in time for an Oscar run later this year. And then it will go and debut online on Apple TV+. Plus. That seems like it could be absolutely just riveting and uh, just acting, like just acting the the. St- Stitches out of the ball, you know? I don't know. I don't know if that... Uh, I don't think that's an expression, but I appreciate what you're saying. But follow me here. Am I being just uh, too much of a oaf when I say uh, it could also be a real snooze? Macbeth is not one of the Shakespeare plays where they're just kind of standing around talking about courtly things or whatever. There's, it's just like murder and it's very violent. That in particular, it feels like it's a, like a no country. It's like a, like it really speaks to the violent Coen brothers films of the past mm. where there's a lot of revenge killings and back and forth. And I feel like it could be very cinematic in that way. Okay. Uh, and is it to period or is it an updated version? This is a great question. I wondered this myself. I don't know. They really haven't released a lot of information about what it's going to look like or what the setting is like. So I I would like to find that out too. Is this a modern day? I mean, I assume if they don't tell you it's a modern day version, they're going to be dressed like Elizabethan Scots or whatever. Mm -hmm. But- I don't know. Or is it going to be like 10 Things I Hate About You? A set at a high school. Yes. Just we're going to be like, why is Denzel Washington in high school? He seems a little old. Ah, maybe he's the PE coach. That's fine. Or like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Baz Luhrmann, it's Romeo plus Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet. Equals fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that combination of what powerhouses, uh, McD- McDormand and Washington. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly just actors showcase for those two, uh, 100%. Yeah. And they're opening it towards the end of the year. Obviously, it's a hopeful Oscar thing for all involved. It is also interesting to note, this is the very first time Joel's ever made a movie without Ethan. Wow. This is our first ever Cohen solo joint. Let me ask you this. Do you think that's a little bit of nepotism, uh, how Frances McDormand got that part? Oh, because she's married to the director? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I approve. I feel like Blood Simple, maybe you could make that case. Post that, it's just like, okay, you just accept it. She's got enough of a resume at this point? I mean, she won an Oscar for collaborating with this same director. Okay, all right. Little movie called Fargo, folks. Learn your history. Okay, we'll accept it. All right, we'll accept it. Oh, do you remember when... (laughs) Bill Murray signed up for Garfield because he thought it was one of the Coen brothers. That's, that's his, he, I think he's fucking with us. Like that feels like a thing Bill Murray would say to be funny and people have just accepted it. I've accepted it. And made it part of the real story. Cause you can't, like if you look up trivia about that movie, it's just there as a fact. Like Bill Murray thought this was going to be a Coen brothers movie, but like Bill Murray knows who the Coen brothers are. Like, I don't think he would make that mistake. I don't know. Maybe. But he's also this weird guy who's got like um, an 800 number where you call him and leave a message. He doesn't have an agent. It would be fun to believe that that was true. I I like believing fun things. We'll probably talk Hacks. You know that new HBO show Hacks with Gene Smart? Yes, we should watch that for next week. Do you want to watch that for next week? I think we should watch that for next week. We'll preview it now. Because one of our listeners... Rob, but yeah... You know, Rob. Yeah. Um, Rob on Twitter, uh, he asked if we could maybe announce uh, every so often or make it a regular thing what we might be watching so some people can watch along with us and then he, and then have that conversation with us with those pictures set up on the table like Lana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I think you should look into our eyes and tell us what you think we should. Gaze. Uh, yeah. Yes. 
So, uh, Rob, this is for you. Watch uh, Hacks on HBO or HBO Max for next week. I probably will start doing this on Twitter. Like halfway through the week, I'll let people know what we're watching or whatever. Lon, we're still getting our footing here, figuring out how to do this thing. Yeah, we're still listening. It's only episode 400. We're still figuring it out. But anyway, what I was going to say is... uh, so Hacks is about Gene Smart is this, you know, older Vegas comedian, and she brings in this, like, young, disaffected comedy writer to help her sort of update her act. The young, disaffected comedy writer, Hannah Einbender, that's Lorraine Newman's daughter. You know Lorraine mm. Newman from the original SNL cast? Yes, original SNL cast member Lorraine Isn't that Newman. an interesting? I'm not bringing that up as an example, like, that's bullshit nepotism. Like, I'm sure she was, you know, like, I don't think being Lorraine Newman's daughter gives you that much juice. I just thought that was an interesting factoid. I mean, it's a, probably a good conversation starter. The, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Lorraine Newman also, uh, I feel like I've met her at the Groundlings before. I have met Lorraine Newman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drop like a bunch of names at once. Do it. Uh, I have met Lorraine Newman because I was at a party at Kevin Pollack's house. Who I, I worked on his podcast. He and Lorraine okay. Newman are friends. So I have actually been, I've hung out with Lorraine Newman. How about that? And who was sitting across from us when I was chatting and hanging out with Lorraine Newman? Brian Doyle Murray. Oh, wow. Did tequila shots with Brian Doyle Murray, folks. That's right. Nice. Oh, I was watching a clip of the uh, the Howard Stern show and when Chevy Chase was on it. And uh, he talked about the time he got into a physical altercation with Bill Murray. And then Brian Doyle Murray was uh, <laughs> was, uh, was there and like pulling them apart. And he said, apparently, Brian Doyle Murray, very strong, yes. very physically strong. Uh, man. It doesn't read, and, and, you know, wasn't necessarily this way in like Caddyshack or whatever, like a big guy, like a burly, and not, I'm not saying like just heavy, like a, just a big, beefy guy. Like beefy, that, that would be the word I would use, like a looming presence. Nice, beef. He's a little older now, but I'm sure was imposing in his prime. Yeah, when uh, him and uh, Bill Murray would do a show at Second City and then uh, go out on the town. Hit the links. There you go. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, Bill Murray, um, a a purveyor of golf clothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Next story, Disney's Jungle Cruise movie based, of course, on the Disneyland pun-filled ride. That's going to debut on July 30th, both in theaters and on Disney+. Plus. My theory on this is, Disney Plus, it's been a little sluggish so far this year in terms of new subscribers. Mm -hmm. They thought they would be at 110 million subs by now. They're at about 103.5. So I feel like they probably could open it theatrically in July, but they're going to also let you rent it for 30 bucks on Disney Plus as a way to try to goose that a little bit and get people to sign up. The Jungle Cruise... Like there's no plot, is there? Like the the cruise has gone out of control or something? Yeah, you're you're on a cruise through the jungle, and then you get a little lost or sidetracked or whatever, and you know you you see more of the jungle. So it's like Jungle Book meets Jumanji. I mean, look, they're rides. Like none of the rides have like a really intricate plot. They're always gonna have to add a whole bunch. Sure. Like even Pirates, which is probably the most story ish ride. They still had to add a ton to get a movie out of it. It was really just like, cave full of gold, shooting on a ship, buy a bride. Eh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Like, like, <laughs> buy some food, <laughs> you know. Who's in the Jungle Cruise movie? It is uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson stars, and Emily Blunt. They're your two leads. And I believe uh, Jesse Plemons, he's your over-the-top villain. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Seems too similar to Jumanji in my head. Yeah, I mean, they're, look, The Rock has been on many a jungle adventure. There's also The Rundown. He did that Journey movie where they're in the jungle a bunch. Like, he's a guy you bring with you if you're going to the jungle. That makes sense. Or, or if buildings are collapsing. I mean, look, The Rock's a good ally. If somebody has uh, is using a Predator drone against you and your friends, bring The Rock along. He'll punch it. But okay. that's it. That's uh, that's that's uh, Furious Seven, I believe. That's oh yeah. Single-handedly takes out a Predator drone with just his muscles. Which Fast and Furious movie was it when he like flexed his arm and the cast came off? That's also Seven. That's the same sequence. He's in the hospital. He's like he's yeah. laid up for most of Furious Seven because he and Vin Diesel at this point could not stand to be in like the same room, so they basically couldn't co-star in this movie. So the Hobbs is in the hospital almost the whole movie. But then when he it's the end and it's the big chase around the whole city and he can see from the window of his hospital bed that they need help. He stands up and he flexes and his arm cast explodes and then he goes into action. Hell yeah. I mean, I guess the Jungle Cruise, the bit is that it's it leans towards the comedy. So it's an adventure, but you get the wisecracks and you get the jokes and it's it's not as severe as something like a Pirates or a Haunted Mansion or what have you. My guess would be that's the approach. But we'll find out on July 30th because we will probably review that film for this program. But, well, I'm not going to pay $30. Well, no, I think we, we may not have to do it on the day it comes out. Or you could go to a theater and see it. I could. Or we don't have to listen. If you're anti-Jungle Cruise, we can review whatever. You know, um, I'm teetering here in the Jungle Cruise. I did just go to see my first in the theaters movie in over a year, though. So nobody. Ah, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like Poor Man's John Wick. I didn't see it. Don't, don't spoil it. Uh, John Wick meets Home Alone. Cool. That's what? All right. <laughs> like traps. I, I understand. Yeah. What if John Wick, but prep time? Exactly. Uh, the Golden Globes. Let's talk about them for a little bit. They're the Globes, uh, the second most glamorous night in Hollywood. They're in serious trouble. They might not even they like uh, over. They might just not happen. They're definitely not happening next year. So, or at least not in the conventional way they've been happening. Mm -hmm. In February. The L.A. Times published this whole expose about the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which puts on the Golden Globes a lot of stuff, financial impropriety, funny business in how they pick winners. And the L.A. Times was very nice. They used the phrase an institutional lack of diversity, which means they did not have a single black person as a member. So what the fuck? Uh, so uh, people got mad and a lot of streaming companies started to say and networks and media companies started to say, we're just not we have nothing to do with them right now. We're just we're done. They can take care of their problems and come back to us and we'll talk about it later. And that includes Netflix and Amazon. But then NBC has now come out and said they're not even going to air the Golden Globes in 2022. Mm -hmm. So the Hollywood Foreign Press, their board has come up with a whole bunch of remedies for all of this. And they promised they're going to actively start recruiting members of color to try to even the membership out. People think of this as a huge organization. There are like 100 members or less. Like it's, it's a yeah. small group. So mm -hmm. that's what people don't get is it's like this weird, shadowy, who are those people? They somehow lucked into this spot in award season where people take their votes very seriously and yeah. they're thought to influence the Oscars. But it's really not a group of people that you would have any interest in normally. It's this weird Hollywood tradition that kind of got out of hand. Yes, yeah, somehow it's gained more importance than like the 
uh, the sum of its members is... Right. And actually, them taking a year off to me almost strikes me as like, this is a real opportunity. If you're like the Critic Circle Awards or one of these other... The People's Choice. Yeah. Independent spirit, like try to get on NBC next year. Like take the Golden Globes. The Spike TV Man Awards. Yeah, the Guy's Choice Awards. Now yes. is your moment. Finally, the Guy's Choice Awards gets its due. You know what? The top pre-Oscar, the top pre-Oscar prize is going to be that MTV Best Smooch. I did a video from the red carpet of the Guys' Choice Awards one year, and I did that as the joke, like, finally men get a say. It's about <laughs> time. And Spike TV did not like it. They were not big fans of that approach. Yeah, they didn't like uh, being in the crosshairs of Lon's sharp irony. Yeah, really. I did not get invited back to Spike TV. Guys, Maybe they never did it again. I don't know. Um, I, I I was on the red carpet. I think this was also, oh, maybe it wasn't on Spike TV. The, uh, the Horror Awards. Oh, the Chainsaw Awards. Those? Maybe. I think so. Who does the Chainsaw Awards? Fangoria? Fangoria. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Or Bloody Disgusting or one of those. Yeah. Fangoria makes sense. The Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. One of those. And, uh... There was no story? You just wanted to let us know you were on at one time? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm glad I know. I'm glad I know that now. YouTube wants to lure people into its shorts product. Now, this is YouTube shorts. Whoa, I, uh... A product. Not, not, it's an app. It's an app. I'm a married man now, but I spend a good portion of my time trying to lure people into my shorts. In YouTube shorts. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, so basically, Shorts is a it's a rival for TikTok or Snapchat. They want you to make your short videos on YouTube instead of going elsewhere to other apps to do it. So and, we're talking a minute or less, right? It's it's, it's ex exactly it's like short. It's usually like music. They're they're exactly like what a TikTok would be. You ever scroll through TikTok, Lon? I do not have to. I've never been on the TikTok app. I've seen TikToks because you could put a TikTok in a tweet. And so I've seen a TikTok, but mm -hmm. I've never been on the TikTok application, no. Because I don't want China looking at my phone. No, it has nothing to do with that. I'm just old and I would feel weird. My wife, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, really got into TikTok and hence I I'm Moderately, I dabble. I, as a noted wife guy, that makes sense. Oh yeah, you know, definitely, a de definite <laughs> Big wife time guy. wife guy. So anyway, so to lure people in, to get more yes. people to use it, because people aren't they? They're on TikTok. They're on, they're already doing this kind of content elsewhere. YouTube mm -hmm. is going to. They've invested in a hundred million dollar fund. So oh. every month. They're going to pick the shorts that did the best or had the most engagement or just they liked the most, and they're just going to give those people money. And they're saying over time they'll figure out a way to, like, monetize shorts for real, but for now they're just going to subsidize it themselves through the end of 2022 and just pay people for their shorts. And I know you've often wished that people online would pay you for your shorts. That was I a know. business you tried to get going to little success. Yes, modeled after, you know, <laughs> li listen, there are models. and uh, it, it works for the girls on OnlyFans. <laughs> yes, the, like they will send you a pair of their uh, their underpants. So I'm like, hey, who wants a pair of these shorts? I got, I got all these shorts sitting around. Who wants a pair of these shorts? These cargo shorts. And they, they were really... Uh, no one wanted them, and for good reason. The waistbands were all stretched out. Yeah, unwashed too, folks. He's not washing them before he sends them to you. Mm-hmm. Stained. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I took it too far. Could, I took it yeah. too far. Abort, abort. Move on. What I do think is interesting about this is you don't even have to be a member of, like, the YouTube partner program. Nothing. 
You literally just have to start. They're gonna. They're paying people just to use their stuff at this point. They're desperate. Please. Who's gonna be the next Charlie D'Amelio of? <laughs> yeah, like anybody, Addison Ray. Please steal mm-hmm. black people's dances and do them on our app. We'll pay you. Yes. Appropriate anything to feather our nest. <laughs> it's the YouTube motto. One more news story, and then we'll move into some reviews. I know we got. By the way, I'd like to see you do a choreographed dance lawn. Like one of those, like the, the I'm trying, I'm trying to do one of the, like how they do the, t- the I don't, I don't, I don't. You, you, that doesn't, you, you just did YMCA. I, yeah, no, that's this. I know what YMCA is. Last story. Who could forget Elon Musk's memorable turn on this weekend? Did you watch, did you watch SNL Live? Uh, no, I was actually at uh, the movie theater, my friend's birthday. He rented Oh, that's out. when you were watching Nobody. Yeah, when I watched Nobody, but I, I've watched a couple of clips. With Millie. I, I saw your tweets to the theater. Oh, yes. I brought my dog to AMC. Shout out AMC Theaters. So you're fully one of those people now. I was ready to have to make up some uh, weird story about uh, how I needed to have my dog <laughs> with hypertension me. Hypertension. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which, you know, I have anxiety, you know, and Millie does soothe me, but it's um, I don't have a letter or anything. It's really the opposite, I feel. I feel like Millie has anxiety and you need to be there to soothe her. Oh, Millie does. Millie, Millie is 17. She's blind. And you know what? It is my privilege to take care of that little pooch. But um, yeah, I was able to bring her to the movie. Imagine how terrifying an action movie is for a blind 17-year-old dog. Oh, I mean, she... Does she think that that's happening right in front of her? No, she she wasn't even aware. She didn't know where we were. She was on my lap the whole time. And the best part about it was um, when when the movie got kind of quiet, the, the only thing you could hear in the theater was this. (laughs) <laughs> just a nightmare for the other patrons just yes good thing it was a private party we rented out the my buddy it was his birthday and he rented out the theater. yeah proviso folks don't bring your dog to a public movie screening if you're friends if it's a private event sure i don't want to start sitting next to people's dogs at the movies. although i think uh to get people out at the movies more amc should just like allow full free for all you can smoke you can smoke weed in the theater. <laughs> you can sex. BYOB. Just yes, yeah. sex. Like maybe a little sex section with a tent. <laughs> Just anything you want to do in that theater. It's like international waters, but movie theater. They sell popcorns with a little hole cut out so you can put your ding dong in there. It's just like being on the money plane, but you're just in a movie theater watching money plane. Anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Elon, he was on SNL. You missed it. I did not watch it on principle, but I then caught up. Yeah, I watched a couple clips. The bad sketches. So two different sketches are are under fire this week, uh, but Uh-oh. not for re- none of the reasons you'd sort of expect. Like he got in trouble anyway, but it wasn't for like the Elon stuff you thought he was going to do. Like he's not in trouble with the SEC or anything. The, the first was the Gen Z hospital sketch. This was slammed on social media because the ad, the characters were culturally appropriating African-American vernacular English or A-A-V-E. It was seen as sort of- How long has A-A-V-E been? It's, it's one of those things that's a little hard to tell because it started in academic circles. So academics and people in social sciences have been using it for a while, mm-hmm. but it has not really broken through. It reminds me a little bit of Latinx where- at colleges, people have been using Latinx for a while now. It doesn't seem like a new thing. Right. But now that it's getting out into the public at large, there's a lot of like, what the hell is this? This doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I think we're going through that, yeah, with, with, with A-A-V-E right now, including Michael Che, who wrote that sketch, the, you know, from Weekend Update, SNL, yep, yep. cast member and writer. He was sort of like, I didn't even know A-A-V-E was a thing. I didn't mean to offend you guys. It was just a joke about how young people talk and they use a lot of dumb slang. Yeah, M- Michael Che, obviously uh, a person of color, black guy, uh, wrote Wait, that. So what? Yeah. Well, um, but yeah, how far is too far? And, uh, and someone else got in uh, trouble for that. Do you know uh, Miranda Sings, the, uh, sure. the YouTube? Yeah, I do. Uh, the YouTube comedian. I know Miranda Sings. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Lon, you, you have connections all over the YouTube world. And uh, you might have seen her on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee as well as YouTube. But um, she had to apologize for um, using AAVE in an um, AAVE-filled tweet. So, yeah. So much of our just, like, internet slang and general slang is just taken from, like, funny African-American teenagers. Like, they're, they they originate a lot of our culture. We just all have to kind of admit it. It can be a fine line. Like, sometimes you're not trying to make fun of black kids. You're trying to make fun of, like, slang in, in general. But, you know, all of our TikTok dances and our cool phrases are the work of, like, 14-year-old girls, you know? And, like, we just have to accept it. Also, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the gay community and drag queens deserve a lot of credit for. Sure, I don't. I'm not. Yeah, not a hundred percent. No, but just in general, like you know, if we're if we're if we're giving out roses here, I'm. I'm uh... Dudes who look like us, we're inventing no cool slang. Nobody's coming to us. No, I am jumping on board. I am jumping on board, except for uh, um, hoot hoot hashtag Alamo. Yeah, that somehow that has not caught on yet, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, but. But um, definitely see the the difference between like, oh, th- this is how having fun with how uh, a certain generation talks or is it borrowing or poking fun at a culture of people? And the, the latter is obviously problematic, but then you, there's like intention. So, yeah. My main gripe with the sketch was just that they weren't even using most of the slang correctly. And so mm-hmm. it kind of didn't. It would have been funnier if they were using all the slang accurately. That actually makes fun of how silly the slang is. If you're not using it right, then it's just like, I don't even know what the joke is. You're just acting like obnoxious. Right. Uh, And then the second sketch that got in trouble was when Elon played Wario. Uh, The National Italian American Foundation takes issue with this sketch. They say it's a double standard that if we're not allowed to make fun of how people from other countries talk, like you wouldn't do a voice caricaturing a Chinese person or an African person. Sure. Or a Mexican person. So why Mm -hmm. is it okay to do a voice where you make yourself sound like an Italian person to make fun. That's a good question. And uh, I mean, this is a conversation just like in comedy circles have all the time. All the time? That's sad. That makes I mean, sad. regularly, like what is okay? It's just like you could just not do a dumb Italian voice, right? Sure. Oh, no, but just in, not just Italian, but in general, what voices are okay to do? What characters are okay to portray outside of yourself? I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but like if you're a white person... Making fun of other white people, a okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> go to oh, yeah. town. Go there. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Lon, what what do you think about that caricature of? I mean, look, I would probably not do a character. This is like, hey, well, forget about it. Gonna make a you spicy meatball. You just did it. You're doing. You just did it. I listen. No, I'm saying, but you didn't let me finish my sentence. I would not but do you- a character like that. Not because I think that that's racist, but because I think that that's hacky. So yes. like it's not that it's not that I feel like 
it's, oh, this is horrible. This is racist. Get this off of television. I'm just like, really? The whole sketch is like, hey, I'm a Dr. Boombots. You know, it's just like, I don't, we've seen that a million times. I just don't think it's particularly funny. But no, I think if you're a white dude and you're making fun of the way other white people talk, you're solid. You're fine. Yeah. And also it helps if you make it a little truer, a little more specific and three-dimensional. Well, of course. I feel like that makes it a unique version of A something. lot of comedy is mm-hmm. just observation. It's, it's, it's just, it's accurately representing something that other people have noticed, but maybe haven't fully put into words. This is like exactly like with impressions. Impressions are funny because the person is highlighting something about the way the original person talks that you've picked up on, but you haven't thought about specifically. And mm-hmm. so when that impressionist mm-hmm. brings it up, you're like, oh, right, Mark Wahlberg does do that when he talks. So like Shaq does inflect his words that way. I relate to that observation and therefore this is funny. So yes, anytime you can be like, here's a, a piece about a person from here or a person like this or a person who does this and we have that moment of recognition while we're watching it, that's what makes it funny. Nobody is watching that being like, oh, that's just like my Italian grandmother. Sure. She also was like, hey, well, forget about it. Nobody really acts like that because it's just a silly caricature. What if your Italian grandmother was also a plumber who uh, <laughs> it's me. Up magic mushrooms? What well, like in the nineties, the state did a sketch where it's a big Italian family and they run a restaurant and they find out that the Pope is coming to dinner, and then mm-hmm. they continue to just keep accidentally making a bigger and bigger mess causing them to freak out uh, because the Pope is coming. And the whole joke is just that they're all doing that voice. It's like, oh, what are we going to do when the Pope is coming? And the, the room is such a mess. Ah! And like, that's the joke is like how stupid this voice is and that we've had this whole history of people thinking that this is what Italian people are like. Because of course, at the end, then the Pope comes and he's like, hey, I'm an apopa, and he talks like that too. The ultimate heightening. So it feels like that's kind of the, that's the last thing you could do with that joke. And like, that's the end point, because we've, we've now reached the point where we all recognize how stupid it is. So like 30 years later that we're still like, I'm a Wario, and that's the joke is like, that's just dumb. It's not because I'm offended, I just think it's dumb. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. And it's, uh, it is that accent and the, 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 the comical version of it has been beaten to death, so. Uh, and like, I don't, if people want to do like the old Jew, like when Eddie Murphy does the old Jew voice, like I don't care. Uh-huh. I don't care, that doesn't bother me. I do it sometimes like, eh, a little uh, cuckoo maybe you have. You know? Right? Listen, everybody loves a nice bagel with a shmeer. I do enjoy also that uh, Gal Gadot has the Israeli accent. And so in Wonder Woman films, everybody from Themyscira has to talk like they're vaguely Israeli. Like she just kind of- Well, I think it's kind of a mixed bag of like everything from British But it's like even Robin Wright is doing like, Diana, you should train. (laughs) Get out there. (laughs) Are you saying that's how Robin Wright talks in the movie? (laughs) That's exactly, I'm doing a perfect impression of Connie Nielsen from Wonder Woman. Like, oh, Diana, such a Shanda. Rewatch scheduled, (laughs) because I missed that. You need to go over to America with the Meshuggahs. Juan, is that the news? That's it. That's all. All right. Next time I'll do Uh, the whole thing in my old Jew accent, which I know is going over huge. Oh, I like it. And uh, yeah, we'll be be like the old Jewish version of Statler and Waldorf. Are they they 
are they coded as Jews, Stadler and Waldorf? No, I'm saying we'll do the Jewish version. Oh, okay. I was like, hey, no, I don't. Seemed, that's, they seemed goy. They yeah, seemed pretty, they don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not getting a strong Jewish vibe off them. Coming up, uh, we are going to talk about Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Now, Fozzie the Bear, Jew. Jewish, a Jewish bear. I mean, yeah, he's a comedian. It's just like it really runs through. Could not be clearer. Very <laughs> yeah, hair suit. Could, couldn't be more obvious. Wears a little hat. Where they're going with that one. Wears a little hat. Lon, uh, we both watched some, several episodes, all of Shadow. I have to admit, I thought I was going to get there. I am one and a half episodes away from finishing season one of Shadow and Bone. I'm almost there. Oh, that's a little better than me. I, yeah, I've watched. I'm almost there. Endgame is in sight. I see where the pieces have fallen, but I'm not quite at the conclusion. Yet. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, Shadow and Bone, a fantastical series. Can I just say, tons of shadow, very little bone. Yeah, not a lot of bone. Every episode is really satisfying the shadow quotient. Extraordinarily little bone. Shadow and light would make a lot Right? I mean, that's... Yes, absolutely, especially in reference to one of the characters. I feel like there are a lot more sensible ways to go with this. So, you know, Lon, I don't dislike the show. <laughs> Great start. But now let me tell you some things that I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it seems like we keep talking about, we keep coming back to, uh, everything is X-Men. This is definitely semi-X-Men. Yes, because everything is, okay, not everything is X-Men. Everything is semi-X-Men nowadays. Also, well, because X-Men, in some ways, to be fair, X-Men is just hero's journey, and that's what mm -hmm. this is. Like, more so than even X-Men, this is just your straight-up Joseph Campbell. Like, she thinks she's just an ordinary orphan, but she's the chosen one with all the power, and she's got to go do the thing and save the universe, but... Oh, I don't want to, you know, like it's 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 exactly the Luke Skywalker or the, you know, what have you. The Jesus story, if mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, an, an allegory for many, many. And I feel like X-Men is also kind of borrowing a little bit of that maybe. Yeah, for sure. But the thing where the, these young people have powers that they're trying to harness, bring out. The Grisha. Let's, let's yes. let, you know, like... <laughs> The show jumps around so much. I, it's like two or three episodes before you really get your bearings. Yeah. I think that was my biggest gripe was like, they don't do a very good job, especially geography. Like Game mm -hmm. of Thrones, it throws a lot at you right away. And season one is a little confusing for sure. But they've got that opening where it's just a map. And it's just mm -hmm. like, here's where we are. This is... Winterfell, and this is King's Landing. And you don't realize how helpful that is. Yes. But then you're in the Grishaverse, and they keep being like, oh, well, we have to get to West Ravka, and we can't go north of the Flugerblah, that we have to get to Deflator Mouse. And I'm like, wait, what the, where, what? Like, what? And I still couldn't really draw you, like, where is what? Like, where are they in relation to where anyone else is at any time ever? Yeah. No, I think there was a little bit of confusion happening in the first few episodes. Oh, for sure, yeah. And almost so much that it creates a little barrier that might you might ask yourself, do I want to trudge forward well, with this? There, yeah, like so much of the plot concerns, there's this thing called the fold. It's basically mm -hmm. like czarist Russia. Everything's yes. got a Russian name and they're wearing the fuzzy Russian hats. Yeah, so it's, super it's like, Russian vibes. Yeah, it's like super, early 1800s Russian vibes. Russia- but 
down the center of the country, there is this like cursed patch of land called the Fold, mm -hmm. and monsters live there, and it's very difficult. You can theoretically get across if you're take the proper precautions and have magic people with you, and like mm -hmm. you, it's doable. People do it, but it's it's perilous and it's not easy, and like it, it does basically divide this whole kingdom in half. So so much of the story concerns this girl who's got this power to maybe destroy it, the curse the curse that hangs over the area. Mm -hmm. But it would be really helpful to just know, like, what's on that side and what's on that side and, like, where is everybody? And I'm not, like, even something as simple as just, like, literally a map and, like, showing us where we are. Like, yeah. they're bringing up lower thirds, but none of those words mean anything to me. It'll be like, mm -hmm. Kershikenstan, west of Borkengog. And I'm like, I don't know what that shit, that's, those are oh. just words. Yeah, no, almost more confusing. Also, uh, the... I don't know. I think it could do a little bit better job of establishing the sides and like That's what I mean. Like it's just we're we're following three, well actually four. We're following mm -hmm. four major narratives. There's this girl who's got this power and she's got to leave and go to this palace and train. And then there's the guy she's in love with, although they're they act like they're just platonic friends, but it's obviously a love story and it's very oddly handled and it's probably like a YA thing, like for teens, like they want to build up the like, will they, won't they? Whereas those of us in the audience- Do it already. Are like, well, obviously it's going to be these two. So anyway. Oh, maybe that's when the bone comes in. Huh? Uh, so then you, but you're also following him and his efforts to like find her and get back to her. Then you're also following these like gentlemen rogue, this like- company of dandies who are criminals. Uh, I called them the Fashionable Heist Crew, or FHC. Mm -hmm. uh, they are planning to kidnap this woman with all the powers. And then you're yes. also following this other magic user who's been kidnapped by this group of soldiers who hate magicians and they're taking her like to their kingdom for execution or trial or something. And it's just like, I just a map. Just like bring up a little Google Maps and show me where the fuck everything is because I'm turned around. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Juan, can I uh, make uh, one more little gripe here? Please. Between this and the Nevers, mm -hmm. which I find to be like, there are scenes that you could just swap. Wait, are you still watching the Nevers? No, yeah. um, I've I've only seen like an episode and a half of a couple episodes. I gave up on that shit. Yes. <laughs> I'm not watching that But we are in an age right now where we have like one show too many of whatchamacallit kind of cosplay. Steampunk. Uh, steampunk, Yeah, yes. no, it's a very like waistcoat and goggle world once again. But people like that. I honestly think if you're pitching a fantasy series to Netflix, that's like one of their top, like, show us the costumes. What are people going to want to dress up like? What are the mm -hmm. fan artists going to draw? Like, they, you need to have those design elements because that's what the fans want. It, it kind of has that, like, everybody's got, like, an extra monocle on top of their monocle. You know, like, it's... Lon, if, if, like, I... Like, I'm done with steampunk, at least for <laughs> a little while. I don't know if it's steampunk. It's, it's like Victorian European style mixed with Russia, mixed with like a fantasy sci-fi element. So like you've still got magicians' robes. And I mean, but there are definitely like the bowler, bowler hats. Yeah, no, you, 
to you're not it's it's less like brass fittings and like that kind of steampunk but there is a there's a couple though there is a yeah i mean anything like it's not as steampunk as the nevers no which is very intentionally trying to do a steampunk but between that and the nevers i'm a little bit steampunked out I'm, i'm a little steamed i'm a little steamed I feel like I got punked and I'm a little steampunked out. I, I mean, I, I will say for me, I think in terms of the design elements, like a show like Game of Thrones, it feels like top down, like everything kind of like feels like one world. Like even if, well, this is the where the poor people live and these are the rich people's castles. There's a consistency there. You're like, I get what time period in the world this is. And I get like, this looks like it yes. all exists in the same universe. And then you get mm-hmm. something like this and it does sort of feel like every new location we go to, they're like starting from scratch. Like, well, what do these people dress like? And so it's like, they're covered in animal fur. And they're like, well, what do these people dress like? Fancy waistcoats and top hats. And like, well, what are these? And it's just, it doesn't feel consistent. And Hunger Games is the same way, where you never go to two different locations in a Hunger Games movie and people are dressed like they're in the same fictional universe. Like, Oh, no, like, yeah, one is like just impoverished dirt people. And one, and one is like, oh, we live in a very- Yeah, and that guy's like, dressed like John Philip Sousa. And it's a bit like that, where it's just like, throw everything at the wall. Let's just give people a lot of looks to admire. Listen, if if you're a steampunk enthusiast looking for a new getup to wear to <laughs> um, like IRL Wizard World. I mean, look, you can't deny it. That's a part of the appeal of a show like this. And I'm sh- if you look up Shadow and Bone right now on social mm-hmm. media, that's what you'll find is fan art and ships who ships who and what costumes people are really enjoying and and making for their return to the convention scene later this year. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Lon, you're a little further into this show uh, than I am. Do you feel like you want to continue? Has it gotten its hooks into you? I feel like I'm going to keep pushing forward on the Grishaverse. I think my one real caveat so far is that Alina and Mal are like main two. She's the, Alina's the girl who's got the power and Mal is her soldier, you know, the guy she got a crush on who's the soldier who's looking for her. I just, Mm -hmm. we don't get to spend a lot of time with them together early on. They're separated very quickly. We get this one flashback that we see a lot where they run off together into this field. And like, Mm -hmm. they kind of use that as shorthand through the whole show. Like, remember how much these two mean to each other? They were together on this one day in their childhood that was so special. And when they are together uh, later on, there's a huge climactic moment between them. I just, I, the, the show doesn't really sell me. They're both very good looking actors. And I feel like the idea was like, who wouldn't want to see these two together? Like, that's right. true, but I don't, it didn't really sell me on that. And so much of the show, the driving engine behind so much of what happens is these two are totally devoted to each other and must get back together. And that's like mm-hmm. the heart and soul of all the storytelling. And I don't know. I actually thought the fashionable heist crew was the highlight. Like, I almost was like, they should be the main characters, not the girl with the power. But I'm not in charge of the Grishaverse. That would be author Lee Bardugo. Neither am I. But you could enter the Grishaverse if you watch Shadow and Bone on Netflix. And uh, yeah, you know, w- w- there is there is a void out there. And a lot of shows are vying for this uh, Game of Thrones void. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the next Thrones, for sure. Yes. And uh, maybe this will be that for you for the time being until we get um, at home with the Targaryens. Moving on. Oh, Lon, uh, so we, we were uh, going to watch uh, the show uh, Girls 5 Eva 
on Peacock. I don't. I haven't gone through the paywall. I just You're have free Peacock. Bastard. So I was only able to watch one episode. Uh, but you know what? After watching the first episode of Girls 5 Eva, I'm like, damn, I want to watch more of this. And it makes sense that it's from Tina Fey because there was a lot. Oh, my God. It's the most Tina Fey, Robert Carlock thing imaginable. It's very, like, the pacing of it, very fun. If you're a 30 Rock or a Kimmy Schmidt fan, I feel like this is essential viewing. It's funny, and it's not just... Um, all of the women and all of uh, the the actors in it, it's uh, really well cast and a lot of fun stuff. But the jokes per capita yeah. here, they are coming at you. It's and very like, funny. Th- this is speaking my language just as far as like the kind of comedy yeah. hot take. I might like 30 Rock better than The Office. I Like 30 Rock, I oh, just love. Is that a hot take? I like 30 Rock. Not better. really. I, I like know. 30 Rock but, better than The Office also. But I, I love 30 Rock and this just spoke to me. I like Kimmy Schmidt a lot too. I feel like that they should just do the CW thing. Like they should all exist in the same universe and cross over. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, I just want a season of Girls 5 Ever and Kimmy Schmidt and they're all going to be on the girly show or something like mm-hmm. put these franchises. I want more of the fake Harlock verse. This is just a fucking delight. Like, God, I yeah. love, I like this a lot. I thought I would like it because I like their other shows. But yeah, I, I, I like the commentary on pop culture. Uh, just the first. I only saw the first episode. I know you watched. A, uh, a yeah, I'm, I'm almost through it. Yeah. Like you're usually a better watcher than I am. I'm a this better watcher than you are. You can say it. That's OK. Uh, yes, you're a better watcher than I am. <laughs> I watch well. But you, you do. You're you're one of our finest watchers. <laughs> Who watches The Watchmen? Lon. I'm a watcher from way back. Yeah. Yep. Are you a wheel watcher? Do you remember that? Uh... <laughs> That's right. It's America's <laughs> game, Hal. Yes. Wheel of Fortune. But yeah, just the commentary on you know aging in entertainment because uh, these forty uh, year old women are uh, having a comeback as this girl group that uh, they had in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, like, that's really cool that all of the actors cast to play these um, former uh, girl pop stars are freaking great, funny, and each unique in their own right. Yeah, I uh, I will admit, I did not really, like, Sarah Burrells, it's one of those names that you recognize. Like, I knew who she was. I know she did the Waitress musical, which I have not seen, but I oh, didn't, yeah. I, like, it was not a... Nothing pops to mind when I would see that name. Like, I didn't really know who she was. Yeah, I did not recognize her. She's fantastic. She's really, like, you would totally just believe that she was a sitcom actress for forever. Like, she's very believable as this, like, you use the term a lot, every man character. This every person, every woman type character. She's the Liz Lemon of this this show, basically. Sure, um, absolutely. Uh, The protagonist, the catalyst, we're seeing it filtered through her lens. And um, so likable and has different speeds, uh, comedy, and then can take it down and like very believable and really uh, an enjoyable actor to watch. Yeah. And uh, I, I found out she's the one who does that brave song. That's the one that honestly, I want to see you be brave. That one. That's that's the Sarah Burrell song. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm uh... I can't play it for okay. you because copyright Licensing. i shouldn't yeah. i probably shouldn't have even <laughs> just tried to sing it for you but you Boom. would know it i sense you Monetized. would know it if you if you looked it up i don't even know what kind of music is that like it's not rock music like i don't know the she's song like a singer songwriter like i don't know how you describe her genre no now that you're saying that though that's starting to 
jar something loose. She's like a modern day Sheryl Crow, I guess mm-hmm. is how I would describe the music. And uh, Busy Phillips. Busy Phillips, Paula Pell. I mean, they're all they're all very good. And uh, mm-hmm. Renee Elise Goldsberry. She's from Hamilton. Mm-hmm. She's got maybe the biggest. She's like the Jenna Baroni, if I'm going to keep putting it in 30 Rock terms. Very apt, very apt comparison uh, there. Yeah, she's like the big, goofy, crazy character who's sort of... Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the adventures are like her flights of fancy, and she's fantastic. They're, they're all great. The, the central cast is amazing. All these women are so nicely different, and they come together and make <laughs> just a fun, ridiculous group. Yeah. Just in the first episode, there was like a real, just, it wasn't a huge part of it, but there was a nice send up on just like modern uh, hip hop culture with uh, this rapper named Lil Stinker. Yeah, Lil Stinker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very, very funny. And, uh, yeah, the, just the plot of uh, these women going for it one more time. I really like their manager was like just a very lovable scumbag. And yeah, this was one of the first sitcoms. Uh, like I like this considerably more than Rutherford Falls, which was enjoyable. Well, this is funnier than I. Yeah. I mean, I, Rutherford Falls, I think, has a lot on its mind that. that also a peacock show. Yes, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to laugh a minute in the way that Girls 5 Eva does. I wish Rutherford Falls was behind the paywall and I could just watch Girls 5 Eva for free. They knew. They knew you were going to say that. This is this is all yep. about. It's, it's $5. Yep. I was I was saying to Hal before we started recording, uh, I think at this point, Peacock's one of the better deals, especially if you're willing to watch ads and you only pay $5 a month. You get the full archive with ads. For $10, you get everything ad-free. But Peacock's got a lot of movies, too, because they not only have Universal, but Universal owns a lot of the Paramount film archive. Also, you got that WWE. If you're into wrestling, they've got the WWE network now. But between the new shows, the classic shows, the NBC shows, the films, I actually feel like they have one of the better collections out there right now. It's just uh, up to me. Right on. Well, uh, yeah, Girls 5 Eva, um, super freaking funny. And the amount of uh, puns they can do off uh, using numbers yeah. off of uh, 5 Eva is uh, great. I love Just keep those coming. And, uh, yeah, like this, this one show has made me consider, huh, I want to be in this world enough that I, <laughs> I want to go past the paywall. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a paywall type guy. So it cracked. Pay a lot of paywalls. You're behind a lot of paywalls. Listen, I pay for services, but if you have a free version and a paywall version, I'll usually just take the (laughs) peak. Yeah, it's like, what are you, you're a bootlegger? What are you? Listen, like, uh, you know, I was going to talk about porn sites. Like, I'll never go for a paywall on a porn (laughs) site. That's it. That not a paywall guy because I don't shell out every month for browsers. That's the... (laughs) Exactly. that's the metric. Yeah, that's my metric. Are you paying for browsers? You know what? Um, some things are better left unsaid. How much, is, how much for a month on browsers? I don't know. I'm not a paywall guy. There's enough free porn on the internet that I'll never pay for it. Well, because like 15, you could get HBO Max, and there's like boobs. Like you could find, like I, like if you wanted to. There's a boob on HBO Max. There is a boob. So I don't know how much. How much more than that would? I don't. Know. I'm sure people will. Uh, you know what? Maybe uh, this is a conversation for our Patreon. Yeah, this <laughs> will review the major porn sites. Yes. Look behind the paywall. Wow, honestly, that would be a more successful podcast than ours. We call it Beyond the Paywall, and every episode we just talk about what's behind the paywalls of different adult sites. Oh, boy. We are on a highway to the danger zone right now, Lon. And uh, 
that is going to put a button on it for today. Uh, hoot, it's a hoot. terrible sign-off. Yes. <laughs> it's going to put <laughs> and a... well, you know what? that should just about put a button that, on the show for that, today. That does it. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, the plaque they would put up at your, like, high school or whatever commemorating your storied podcasting career. And that would be, it's like, Hal's famous sign-off. Like, and well, that dot, dot, dot. I just about put a dot, dot, dot. Oh, no, that'll be my epitaph. <laughs> button that, on that'll be on my tombstone. For today. Uh, that'll put a button on his life. Hoot, hoot, Owl Nation. Hashtag Owl Nation, where Micah Hooligan's at. Uh, thank you, Starburns Audio. And thank you to our producer, Travis Reeves, making everything smooth. And Jason K for rocking out in the beginning. He created our awesome theme song. And Lon Harris, a pleasure chatting with you. Please uh, tell folks where they can get more Lon. Shout out to the entire Starburns organization, not just Starburns Audio. That's Hal's thing. I salute Starburns Publishing. There you go. You're all doing a great job. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to keep up with whatever I'm doing. Uh, I also write a newsletter. It's nothing but just this stuff five days a week. It's totally free. No paywall. I won't make you pay. Save that for browsers. That's it. Inside.com slash streaming. <laughs> now you're speaking my language. <laughs> and you can find me at Hal Rudnick, H-A-L-R-U-D-N-I-C-K, on Twitter and Instagram and twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick for some fun uh, streaming activities several times a month. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you for listening. If you want to go rate us on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.